0: The city is playground. A podcast by Leadership Foundations. I'm Rick Enlow, and I get to be the host. And I'm here with LF President Dave Hillis. How you doing, Dave?
1: I'm good, Rick. Very good to you, see you. You, you do this seem, zoom, well, this you, of ours you seem well. Zoom call. You seem well traveled.
0: Is that true? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, probably well traveled. Sometimes I think maybe the more appropriate phrase is well road.
0: Um, so, <laughs> well, welcome uh, back.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Now, you know, uh, Dave, a lot of folks don't maybe uh, don't know that we're in the uh, greater South Puget Sound area in the st- state of Washington. But if if folks have traveled here and especially in the summer, you know, they see these pristine mountains, incredible water, sailboats everywhere, uh, people just drinking coffee on the streets. And and that would be uh, and the sun stays out till 10 at night, Dave. That's the That's reality right. in the summer right now, mid-November we are paying for that. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, the, uh, the bill has come due and it's just like, uh, we have, you know, flooding of Epic proportions. And, uh, yeah, I know yep. that I was, I had a, um, kind of an urge to start building an arc yesterday, but you know, that, so it's, it's great to be able to, this, but podcasting is an indoor sport. So we're fine good. and everything's going to be good. Yeah. Um, yeah. in fact, you know, one thing funny, uh, Dave is I, I asked somebody, um, If they've listened to uh, Sidious Playground and they thought I was saying the insidious playground, (laughs) I'm like, well, maybe I should enunciate more clearly. So in case (laughs) you thought you've been listening to the insidious playground, it's city as playground, right? There you go. uh, There you go. In fact, that's what we want to talk about today. Um, This is our year-end kind of series in this uh, very interesting year. We've we've, uh, been on the journey through 2021 now. And, um, mm-hmm. we need to kind of double back because can you believe it, Dave, this is our 70th episode.
1: Wow. Rick. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, that's, that's saying something right there. That's a, uh, that's that's lovely.
0: Well, I, I, um. I think when we first started this, I said I'd, I'd like to do this until I'm not learning anything new, and it hasn't happened. So keep it up, Dave. It's well, um, that's that's well. a
1: great affirmation, Rick. <laughs> and I think again, our listeners should know that uh, this whole idea of the podcast was your brainchild, and I kind of, I would say, sort of stumbled into it a bit, and you were my mentor and my coach to know how to do this, and but it has been. Really one of the great joys uh, of my job now, uh, meeting with you to talk about Leadership Foundations and really the just overwhelmingly spectacular work that's taking place now in 47 cities around the world. So thank you for having that
0: idea in the first place. Well, I mean, it's, it's been a, a, a tremendous win-win because, you know, um, maybe some folks don't remember this, but my uh, I, I knew a guy who um, is actually my son. <laughs> and uh, I, I I noticed uh, several years ago that something was happening to him, that mm. that it, his his heart and his mind and even his narrative had changed, mm. and I kind of wanted to know like you know what happened to you like because uh, I felt like the change was uh, for the better for sure and and he he said well you know um you know I've had a chance to spend some time with Dave Hillis and and uh, I I've learned about you know leadership foundations and. And so, I that was really my whole um, initiative at the beginning was to say, like, what could I invent so that I could hear about this, you know? And so, <laughs> so now I understand what he was talking about. But uh, certainly, um, I look forward to this as well because, I mean, you know, one it's one thing to have, um, you know, the the idea of uh, you know ha- seeing cities as playgrounds instead of battlegrounds, but then, like you said, to hear from the actual people engaged in so many of these urban centers. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's really encouraging. Um, and it's so uh, it's such a, a stark contrast between what's really happening and what sometimes, you know, yep. uh, you, you know, kind of the, the cultural sort of narrative that we hear. And so it's, it's just really refreshing. And yeah, and let's, let's go back to, um, you know, kind of the foundation for this. And that is that, um, you know the the idea tell me again you know there the old testament you know reference that we have to the yeah. to the city's playground
1: yeah let me even back up half a step in in the spirit of transparency tell you where the uh, <clears throat> where the idea originated um i was have had the privilege of being mentored by ray Bakke, who you know in many ways i mean our peers have have heard him we you and rick and I had a chance to interview him, which was wonderful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, but Ray is, is really kind of in some ways the sort of theological uh, pope of the leadership foundations. And mm-hmm. I say this time and time again, it was Ray that looked into kind of the craziness of Reed Carpenter and said, there's something there. And mm-hmm. uh, so let's let's kind of play this forward. Well, part of my relationship to Ray was that I was uh, his doctoral student, and uh, so, of course, like any doctoral program, you have to put a thesis together, and Mm -hmm. uh, I just was, you know, betwixt and between, like I didn't know what I was going to write about, Uh, and then it dawned on me, of course, it was the theology of the Leadership Foundations, right, because at that point, uh, nobody had kind of written it down, um, mm-hmm. and I even thought, you know, a little bit like G.K. Chesterton says, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly, and that gave me kind of the impetus to say, I don't think I'm up for the task, but, you know, I'll at least give it a, give it a whirl, and then, you know, people after me can come and, and sharpen it up, so it was in the course of that that I'm trying to think of a title uh, for my thesis, and it just, again, kind of dawned on me. It's like, you know, what Sam Shoemaker understood uh, and what he gave to Reed Carpenter, Reed Carpenter in turn gave to the rest of us, was this shattering idea uh, of the city as playground. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it absolutely captured my imagination. But, but here's part of the reason I confess all this. It, I never thought I would see the light of day beyond my <laughs> dusty... Thesis that now sits very snugly in my bookcase, <laughs> um, and so it wasn't uh, until I became president of LF and began to try to think about, okay, now I've got to you know operationalize this network around the world, and you know again we say this time and again, cities are living, breathing organisms, and part of the genius of LF is that we know that what is going on in delhi is different than what is going on in dallas so by definition right it's almost like everybody's got their own vision but my kind of quest was could there be a vision fashioned in such a way that became almost the meta narrative uh, of all leadership foundations and it was there then that we moved to this idea that when you look at leadership foundations whether again it's in you know Jacksonville or New York City or Fresno um, what they all have in common uh, is this Zechariah 8 you know four through five passage Um, and again it's it's elegant in its simplicity it's it's where the prophet Zechariah comes up looks at Jerusalem that has seen its better days to be sure and has the audacity to say you know Jerusalem there is a day coming when your streets will be filled uh, with children playing on them effectively in safety, and the elderly will be sitting with cane in hand on porches, depending and on your translation. And you know, I think right there, um, the best way to kind of exegete that Zechariah 8 passage is exactly that, is Playground. That is the vision. Um, One of the things I've always said about that passage is that Zechariah was prescient in the sense that he knew that the two most vulnerable populations in any city, anywhere in the world is always the young and the elderly. Mm -hmm. And so by definition, if they're both doing well in terms of the way this passage describes it, well, that means everybody in between is doing well also and that the city is actually functioning the way that God uh, intended it uh, to function. So that's really the pivot point, you know, Rick, the, yeah. the sort of central idea in terms of scripture. And then, you know, what we've of course done through the years is expanded that and said, you know, uh, God in fact uh, has a love affair with the city. Um, and this idea that, that while the Bible starts, you know, in a garden, in Genesis, its ultimate consumption uh, is in Revelation twenty-one, and it is now that Jerusalem, right, that Zechariah prophesied about uh, in all of her full glory. Um, and then, quickly, just because I know our hearers have heard this, but we then asked the next question, which was, in some ways, I think, you know, the more difficult one, which is okay. So you got this cute little metaphor, right? It's a, an image, and yeah, cities playground. How great! Well, does it have any kind of adhesive to it, right? Does it does it actually do anything to anybody that takes that metaphor on? And we <clears throat> said yes uh, in three, you know, pretty distinct ways. Uh, the first was theological, you know, a declaration that uh, God loves cities; He is a friend of cities, not a foe. And you and I have talked about this, Rick. Well, that is probably less radical today, uh, you know, than it was, you know, 40 years ago, for sure. Um, I think it's still worth noting that there is at times an anti-urban sentiment uh, at play, particularly at times in faith communities, um, and the notion being that if God ever got God's act together, right, what would be taking place as fields and sheep and cows and shepherds and, you know, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, actually as a parenthetical, I had a chance to see some of that in action in Iowa here. I was on a trip there and it's like, Ooh, but the declaration here is that no, in fact, you know, uh, the city is God's idea. Um, the city I love Tacoma uh, was out of God's imagination. And so it's to be celebrated. You know, the second was sociological. Um, the notion, again, that our neighbor now uh, becomes a colleague rather than a competitor. Yeah. You know, again, we see that notably, right? Something like the uh, Good Samaritan uh, parable. Um, and, you know, I think the pressing need that you see, again, in the scripture in its entirety, uh, but consummating itself with Jesus is that, you know, we need to see our neighbor not as other right? But as, you know, colleague and Mm -hmm. to uh, embrace that. And then the third, which again, I've admitted here on this podcast and in other places is decidedly probably the most difficult is that we think city as playground affects the economy and you begin to see it as one of abundance rather than scarcity, which of course was the uh, podcast series that you and I just finished trying to Talk with you know those local leadership foundations on the ground. It's like okay, well, how are you how are you doing this, right? What yeah, what what does what does economy as abundance look like in Fresno, right? In a place like you know Philippi. Um So that's you know that's been the big big idea. Um, you know the hairy audacious goal. I think you know in some business schools it's called right the yeah. Uh, and that's what rallies LF together and, and uh, you know I, I, I would maybe just finally say this, Rick, I have been I'm trying to think of surprised is the word, um, something. Maybe you can come up with a word for me, Rick, but uh, how uh, attractive this idea of city playground has been to people even outside the LF network. Um, Mm -hmm. we're right now in a conversation with a, you know, very large funder. And, uh, this is one of those funders. You don't get to apply, right? They have to decide if you are worthy of them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so in the course of having had several conversations, uh, they finally came back to us and said, yes, we want to partner with LF. Uh, and we would like the initiative that we partner together around be called Sidious Playground. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so just, you know pausing for a moment to say, okay, uh, maybe this thing has got some legs under it and, uh, could be of help and, uh, a blessing to even others outside the LF network. So,
0: yeah, that's exciting. Well, you know, one of the things I thought was great, Dave, is that, you know, your thesis, you know, uh, that then, you know, became the book, uh, city as playground. um, you know, it documented the fifty-year history of LF, but it was uh, primarily documented while some of the founders are still breathing. Which is, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it, because sometimes you know when you're, uh, you yeah. know, way out in front, um, you know, you can, you know, sort of change the the you know the story and and um, yeah, you know and totally. also you know can make things more heroic than they were. But it was so cool that each. Uh, I mean, even to this day as uh, as of today, you know, I mean I, I still really enjoy um, getting um, you know prayer reminders from Reed. like I mean, I'm still yeah. connected, you know,'t that great? And, yeah. you know to to the folks in the book and like you said, uh the, the opportunity to go uh, be with Ray, you know while he was uh, still you know uh, you know going full strength and full he, strength. Yeah, know, yeah, I mean, one of those things uh, that I've said before about being at Ray Baki's house is to be in his library. Yeah, And to realize that, um, the has read all these books, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I think it's, we live in such a world where things are staged, you know, so like everybody kind of stages it. So they look good on a, uh, you know, on a zoom call, but you know, I mean, there was a a sense in which, you know, when Ray was uh, talking, he'd kind of point, you know, to, you know, to reference or to quote somebody. And I mean, like, you know, it was right there behind him on the shelf. So that was a treat. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, you know, that the the audacious uh, nature of uh, Zachariah, I see that uh, audacity in the leaders and the LF leaders in the city. Yeah, that's
1: you that's know? exactly right. Yeah. You know, the other the other take, I would say, because I've had, you know, people who say, OK, you know, I'm I'm not an urban person, so I'm not quite sure the city's playground kind of works for me. And yeah. I said, well, I said, you know, I think there's another way to kind of tether into it. Um, And I said, you know, I've always been fascinated with this wonderful little verse tucked into the book of Hebrews, which, you know, again, truth be told, is not one of my favorite books uh, to read through. Um, It's dizzying to me at times. But the writer of the Hebrews uh, epistle, whoever it was, said, now, you know, because of the joy set before Jesus, he was able to endure the shame, right, of the cross Mm -hmm. I said, you know, to this person, I said, that's where the city's playground comes from. It's just simply a manifestation of that joy, you know, that Mm -hmm. was set before Jesus. And I said, you know, truth is, none of us can do this work if there isn't something beyond just a grinding obedience, right? I mean, we can do that, and, and there's work to be done, and it's tough. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm getting up in the morning, I'm going to bed at night. Uh, I hope like Jesus because of a joy that I have perceived, uh, that then begins to shape, you know, some of the hard things I've gotta I've gotta walk through. Um, well, that's Sidious Playground, right? That's just a it's it's yeah. a articulation of that joy. Um, and certainly other people can you know have their own metaphors, but I, I wanted to say to people who maybe don't feel quite the urban vibe, you know, the way yeah. that, uh, that LF does that, you know, we're still on the same team. You know, we're in the same unis here. Uh, it's it's all about joy, and you know, Chesterton yeah. well, and C.S. Lewis articulated so beautifully. I mean, it, you know, joy is the secret of heaven. Um, mm. So,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, also people should you know feel free to you know to to uh, right size the you know the metaphor. So it might for them it might be town as toy store. but you know, city is playground. (laughs) I made that up, but Hey, the thing is though, Dave, that um, one thing that I've seen in um, you know, not only in the LF, universe or uh metaverse as now we're being, you know, that's, right, that's right. Yeah. But uh we'll have, to do a, this... we'll
1: have to do a podcast on that, Rick, at <laughs> some know, point.
0: I know. Well that's I told you a long time ago, Dave, that I don't want to be a mega church. Uh, I, I'd rather be a meta church, you know. So uh, <laughs> uh but the thing is that one of the things that's a reality not only in scripture but in um the work of LF is to recognize um that God gathers I mean, there's always been, you know, this, this, uh, idea that, you know, what is, what scatters is, you know, and divides is what is, that's, you know, that's right, is the dark and the evil, you know, in our world, but this, this gathering God that, that is described in scripture. And, and so he gathers his people, he gathers people. And the more gathered we become, yep. you know, the, the more we start to, uh, you know, understand, you know, uh, what God's talking about you know and so many of the 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 different uh places we we hear about so i think that that um this this idea of um seeing the city seeing the gathering as yep. a a playful gathering instead of a hostile gathering is so refreshing and like you said it's it's not just um uh you know those of us who had theological training or whatever it's it's even you know just people that are thinking about our world and saying hey that that's something that, that, you know, is refreshing, you know, exactly because, uh, because, and I think that all the way through this, that one of the things that you've taught me, and that I think that, you know, bears repeating is that uh, so many of us, and I I would consider, you know, myself, maybe some of the peers, you know, in the pastor universe, um, are spent so much time and effort and, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, just preparation and inner dialogue and all that on the theological, You know, and just really, you know, Hey, God loves the city. I'm right there with you, but almost at the expense of having a sociological or economic kind of, uh, you know, a marriage. And I think that's one of the things that, um, that's really, really helpful is to, to, to not stop at, Hey, God loves, you know, cities, God loves gathering people. God loves, you know, uh, you know, just. The urbanization of the world is not some kind of a cosmic mistake, you know, but is part of the plan of God redeeming this world. That's right. Yeah. And, but then also, you know, then you, if you don't add, um, you know, seeing colleagues instead of competitors or or, or living with abundance instead of scarcity, then it's just, it doesn't really have the content that it's intended. And I think that Uh, you've talked about that before that the, uh, you know, a theology without an anthropology. Uh, is just uh, some ideas that, you know, that don't touch anything. Yeah,
1: no, Rick, that's, that's, I mean, that's very well articulated and I really couldn't add much to it. Um, You know, I I would simply, you know, go back and say that, you know, someone like Martin Buber um, has this wonderful little line where he says, now real living is in the meeting. And uh, I think, those Presbyterians that are listening to us that uh, they've now been given a a Jewish philosophers uh, reason for why you have all these committees and sessions and things like that. You know, (laughs) that's right. That's right. (laughs) But, but I, I have thought about that line a lot uh, because again, one of the hardest things to do is to meet with others uh, and, you know, even more to meet with others that aren't on the same team, right? That aren't a part of the same tribe that mm-hmm. don't, you know, belong to the same denomination. And it's precisely in that space um, where city's playground begins to actually get some legs under it. May I, you know, tell the story that, you know, we, and the way we operationalize all this, of course, is, you know, through our wheel of change, right? Engaging leaders of good faith and goodwill, building the capacity mm-hmm. of others developing joint initiatives. Well, the through line of those three functions is meeting with others, right? Mm-hmm. And so I still remember we had gone through the Bridgespan process and Bridgespan had, you know, been that, that high octane uh, non-profit uh, consulting group. And they spent almost six months, a little bit over six months with us so one of the things they said is they said now you've got you know this vision that's been crystallized you've got you know the wheel of change that every local leadership foundation is now going to have to say yes to he says your their next step is to go out and vet the the, the network mm-hmm. um, and kind of see who's in who's out and so I still remember you know as we're going through this rolodex of a list right that Reed Carpenter had handed me and. I think we had at that time 79 uh, organizations that called themselves leadership foundations. And we just you know, began to walk through and say, hey, here's you know, here's the deal. And I had told uh, or I had asked Bridgepan, you know, at the end of this vetting process, what 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 do you think is gonna be the, the loss of membership here? And he said, Well, you know, based on our experience, you'll probably lose anywhere between 10 to 15 percent of your uh, of your membership. Um at the end of it, we were down to 33 uh, local leadership foundations, so probably you know closer to almost 60 percent. Um, mm. Yet it was one of the holiest uh, exercises I've ever walked through. But that's all background to say that we were having the conversation with this one leadership foundation or a group that called itself a leadership foundation in a city in America that was probably you know demographically almost 80 percent Catholic. And so we're, you know, again, having a good conversation. And at some point, you know, myself, and this was with H Spies, um, and we said, hey, how eight uh, engaging leaders of good faith and goodwill, uh, what's that look like now here in the Catholic space? And, you know, without, you know, batting an eye, I mean, you know, my, our colleague there said, oh, we don't work with the Catholic church. Uh, it's a cult. And it's like, Really? um you know uh where how how have you kind of come to this position it's like oh it's you know worship of mary i mean these saints you know the uh i mean this is just terrible stuff and i remember h and i kind of looking at each other and going we need to honor this person's conviction right at some level i mean perhaps they got to that position on you know the basis of something but that's not the leadership foundation way Mm-hmm. Right, And to be able to declare, um, you know, for leadership foundations, um, we engage others um, and we engage others that are different than us. Because mm-hmm. it's, again, you know, in that Boober-like way, that's where the real meeting, uh where we're living, will begin to sort of, you know, emanate up from. And uh, so it's just, you know, I've had lots of stories like that, Rick, but that was one of the most startling And again, what I find time and time again, is that as simple as saying something like, let's gather, Mm -hmm. um, absolutely puts the fear of God in people at times, right? They're Mm -hmm. just like, well, who are they? You know, I mean, where do they live? Uh, You know, what what, what do they believe? Uh, Which is just the antithesis, like you said, of this, Gigantic figure called the Christ that we watch walk through the Gospels. Uh, right. It's all about the meeting.
0: The uh, the the thing about this this entire um, sort of exercise and keep continuing to remind ourselves of you know city as playground it's just it's a it's an important thing to return to because uh you know it's it's uh kind of it's the foundational um you know metaphor for what we're about and like you said if 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 this is um just duty that we're expressing it, yeah. it you know it uh it runs out of you know runs we run out of the audacious part that's what we need and uh, you know yeah. whenever they ask what's your you know harry audacious goal that's a good thing you know it's not like you have to yeah, lose right. that it's like no that's what we have to lean into well now with this series uh, this kind of year-ending series uh, we want to do something a little different um we're gonna uh ask this question can you imagine a playground yeah. You know, in your context, in your city, where, you know, yep. where you're at work. And it's uh, such a interesting question because it it, it doesn't, uh, I think the idea that city has playground, it, it doesn't um, introduce, um, you know, denial or, or not admitting that there are some That's places, right. you know, that, that are, uh, you know, that are fierce, but it it looks beyond that, you yep. know, to, to what could be. And uh, so we're going to get a chance to hear from... Uh, from some voices throughout the LF network, um, even in this particular episode. And, uh, I think that, that when we hear their voices, um, we begin to not only see the, um, you know, the distinct expression, yep. uh, because of the different cities, but we can also hear a really common, yeah, you know, common heart,
1: uh, with, yeah. with these leaders. Yeah. Maybe a couple words, um, You know, the first is, Ricky said, you know, part of what City's Playground does is, uh, you know, help you look, you know, kind of beyond some of, you know, these things. You know, I might phrase it just a little bit different and say that it actually helps you look through. Um, Yeah. In other words, it doesn't displace, um, right? It doesn't ignore. um, But it's, again, as the poet Christian Wyman says so beautifully, that you know, he goes, memories, mercies mostly aren't, but I swear there are days that are veined with grace. Mm. And it's it's the veins of grace that a city's playground metaphor lens begins to allow you to 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 see. Right. It's yeah, the-
0: yeah, that's really All good. That is a good correction because like that, you know, that's more clearly what I was trying to, you know, kind yeah. of see as well, yeah. is that yeah, it's not, it's not looking beyond or past, but through. Yeah with yeah. this lens yeah seeing the city yeah, that's really good yeah and then you know
1: maybe another word about the the role of of imagination um because again i think it gets short rift at times um and almost kind of like you know maybe sits in that space um of the artist or you know the mm-hmm. poet or but you know i want to reclaim the word as well for you know those of us on the street um and that that we need this tool in our toolbox and probably the the person that's you know i think maybe done the best job of articulating the role of imagination uh its power uh is walter brueggemann uh who mm-hmm. wrote i mean wrote a lot of books actually and is now towards the end of his age and you know just a spectacular Old Testament scholar, but one of his books was the prophetic imagination. And it's really, you know, a look um at the uh at the prophets in the Old Testament, but how so much of the credibility of their witness um really depended on this thing called, you know, the imagination. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the things in the statement about how do you begin to imagine, you know, uh, a city um, as a, as a playground <clears throat> is to kind of go, well, first and foremost, how do you curate that imagination to be active in the first place? Right. Mm-hmm. We happen to have a particular object of the imagination once it's curated, but first you've got to, you know, in effect, reclaim the imagination itself. Uh, and I think to lean in to, uh, some of our local leaders foundation presidents and say, um, what do you do right what are what are the things that that help you you know build up this imagination muscle so that you can do this uh wildest of things which is begin to see uh, the playground in your respective city so
0: yeah yeah that's really good yeah i was i was thinking about that because we've talked about you know imagination um you know a few times and mm-hmm. i was listening to uh uh, a, a different podcast a couple weeks ago and what uh, this, I thought this, all you did know, I know was I, 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 oh I wanted off, but there's a, there's a break was, in our
1: relationship.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this one was about, uh, it was kind of speaking to, um, working with folks who have resentment, you know, that's kind of, it was hmm. a therapeutic kind of, uh, yeah, a discussion. And they were saying that, you know, whenever we, any of us experience resentment, you know, that, some some things happened to us. And one of the things they mentioned, in fact, it was primary. They said the first thing you lose when you begin to live, you know, resentfully is imagination. That, was the, that was the observation. Wow. They were That's saying good. that, you know, that as we start to focus on what we lost or what isn't the way it used to be or, you know, because I mean, really how good. many people are you, are you uh, hearing from that are saying, I can't wait for it to get back to, yeah. you know normal yeah. right and and uh you know the way our world is and then if it doesn't uh they resent or you know we can resent that you know like, that's hey. really good so i thought wow no, let's that's not really let good. that happen right yeah like let's yeah. not resent at the at the cost of imagination
1: That's really and, good. Yeah, yeah, so
0: I was really I was kind of encouraged to to really investigate. You know what it what is resentful. You know, and I think about that scripture. You know, even some of the psalms that say like, "Hey God, um, you know, give me a uh, do an MRI on my soul." You know, and, and yep. if there's any resentment there, if there's yeah. anything you know that 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 I'm not seeing, you know, yeah. uncover it because uh, I think that as we um, find ourselves living less imaginative lives, it's worth, you know, uh, asking ourselves that question. So, uh,
1: yeah, so hey, we're going to,
0: we're going to hear from, uh, from five different LF leaders briefly as they answer this question. Um, can you imagine a playground in
3: mm-hmm. your city,
0: but mm-hmm. Hey, can I do something, Dave? Can I do something right now, <laughs> right in the middle of our talk? Sure. I, wanna, I just want to say, cause it's, this is a kind of our year end series, Yeah. but as we head into the last few months of the year, I just, um, Hey Dave, you know, you know, I was born taking offerings. So here we go. But I I want to invite those of those who are listening to not only um, think about this, but also to think about who they could talk to Mm. and join us in this thinking, because um, we want to uh, invite people to engage more deeply with leadership foundations. And, um, and that that means, hey, let's, let's, think about how we can be generous in our support uh, at the uh, last part of the year here and uh, consider making a financial contribution and it's easy to do. Um, Most of us would be able to, you know, talk to a friend and and explain, um, you know, how much we value leadership foundations. And if they said, well, you know, how could I participate? We could just let them know. Leadershipfoundations.org slash donate. (laughs) Okay. And (laughs) you can almost, you know, name any organization slash donate. And that's how you, that's how you get there. But but what's cool is that um, you know, because of uh, you know LF's uh, status, of course, all the the donations are tax deductible, and and they go directly to fuel the the leadership and long lasting change in cities that we're going to hear about. And so I just want to throw that in there. And um, and oh, by the way, need to say this: like uh, uh, I have no holding in the Leadership Foundation, you know, organizations. <laughs> you know, they always do that. Like I've listened to radio stations where they'll they'll you know do a scathing report yeah. on something and then they'll turn around and go like uh what we do have to disclose that you know we're shareholders <laughs> or something you know not not the case so i just want <laughs> people to know that's just from my heart right there and uh and uh, i i just i just hope and pray that folks would just think about that and i know that a lot oh, of thanks uh, Rick. yeah a yeah, lot of people thanks. you know i, I believe uh at least the the folks that um you know that are responsible for the means you know that uh that they have, you know, they, they're very thoughtful about that. And I just want to have them include uh, LF in their thinking. Great. Thank yeah. you. Well, let's, uh, let's just kind of highlight, and maybe you can just fill in a uh, little tidbits because I know we could talk at length about each one of these remarkable <laughs> audacious leaders, but yep. uh, we're going to, we're going to go, uh, we're going to hear from Jacksonville, Florida, where uh, Nishan Nix is the CEO. And uh, that's the first coast leadership. Have you ever visited that leadership foundation, Dave? I have.
1: I have. And uh, uh, Nishan is uh, actually the second president, um, uh, his uh, predecessor, a uh, good friend, uh, Reggie Gundy. And so Reggie and I had a chance to meet a number of years ago. Um, our current board chair, um, actually, uh, of the ELF Global Office Network is Randy Drew, who also hails from Jacksonville. Um, but, yeah everyone I think probably knows this, but, you know, way up in the, uh, kind of north of, uh, of Florida and having been to Florida so many times, Rick, I oftentimes kind of laugh and go, I think it'd be divided up into like five different States. In terms <laughs> yeah. Of its, no its kidding. Vibe. I mean, from you know South beach to Jacksonville to, you know, you name it. Uh, but Sean is just, uh, Well, let me back up real quick and say one of the things I'm most proud about in LF is that over 50% of our presidents uh, are people of color. Yeah. And Nishan is one of those. And, you know, uh, doctorate uh, in theology, he's this articulate, uh, wonderful communicator um, and has really grabbed, you know, I think, uh, First Coast. Uh, from Reggie, and has really begun to put some legs under it in some ways that's uh, that's that's quite exciting. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Nishan. He, uh, actually, along with a few others right now, we have a relationship with the Stand Together Foundation going through uh, their training. And Nishan we is one of those that we tapped on the shoulder to go through it. So it's it's nine leadership foundations walking through this training together.
0: No, it's going to be great. Yeah. In fact, these uh, clips are, are kind of brief, but you do catch, uh, you know, you, I, at least when I when I listened to them, I thought I want to, I'd like to spend more time with every one of them. You know yeah. what I mean? Because like, yeah. like you said, you can catch that from him, but he's going to, uh, to give us just a little picture of imagining a playground in Jacksonville. And then we're going to hear from Anthony Branch in Memphis.
1: Yeah, Anthony is also another um, colleague who's been a good friend now for a number of years, uh, actually uh, is the third president at the Memphis Leadership Foundation. Uh, I think probably most people know this, but Memphis was what we kind of describe as one of the original posse uh, that surrounded uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh was birthed, of course, in 78. And then there were four or five leadership foundations that came on pretty quickly. Uh, Memphis came on in 1985 uh, under the direction of Dr. Larry Lloyd. Um, and so it's just you know, done spectacular work now for, you know, gosh, almost 40 years. Um, and Anthony just took over as uh, CEO, I think, a year ago, and now has recently become uh, president. Um, Anthony is also uh, just this wonderfully articulate, um, you know, voice on behalf of uh, the Memphis Leadership Foundation, and they're just doing uh, tremendous things. So,
0: Yeah. Well, it, it's going to be great to hear Anthony as well, because, you know, you will hear, um, uh, I think, that, that spirit of uh, audacity, you know, as he, you know, explains yes. some of their work there. And then I would say this, Dave, not only is there uh, racial diversity in the you know, at the leadership, uh, foundation, um, you know, leaders level, but also, uh, gender diversity. And we have some wonderful, uh, leaders, including, uh, certainly, uh, Courtney Dugstad, which when you hear a voice, uh, about what's happening in, uh, Rochester, you think, wow. I mean, at least I really was impressed with just her idea that she shares yeah. about where she finds, um, you know, uh, you know, wh- how she sees this city in, you know, I think it's kind of in a unique, uh, perspective. And that really doesn't <clears throat> to the seeing through
1: something. Yeah, that's right. Like yeah. just what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Courtney's been with us now, I think almost a couple of years and uh, I've, I've laughingly told her this, that uh, I now have a better sense of the line that Shakespeare uses when he says she is fierce. Um, <laughs> Courtney has a, a, uh, a drive, a momentum, an articulation um, that, you know, it kind of puts me back on my heels a bit in a good way to be sure, but um, very, yeah, very important. Um, And what they're doing, particularly in one of the most difficult populations uh, in any city, right? Which is uh, those getting out of prison and Mm -hmm. how do they begin to get re woven back into uh, life and in the city is uh, tough and they're, uh, they're just doing a great job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to wander toward uh, the left coast and hear from Carlos Huerta in Fresno. And yep. we've, we've talked to Carlos before.
1: We right? have be yep, to be a fun to hear. Most him. of our listeners will know of him. And um, he is <clears throat> again, in the process of actually taking over from Randy White, who founded the leadership foundation there in Fresno and,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, uh, in fact, Carlos and um, Courtney, along with Nishan, um, they're all involved in this training program I just described, and it's oh, been yeah. fun. Uh, actually, our own Noah Basket is involved in, with this as well, and it's fun to begin to watch this kind of almost become a little mm-hmm. mini cohort within the larger LF network. So,
0: Yeah, that's great. And then the last uh, voice we're going to hear in this little collection uh, answering the question, um, you know, can you imagine... A playground in your context is Corey Corey Williams at the Savannah Leadership Foundation.
1: Yeah, Corey is one of the smoothest brothers in uh, in the network, and uh, <laughs> i uh, i just I just love the way that he has uh, began to think about Savannah. Some of the things that he is he's putting together. Um, he also is a part of this training cohort I men- mentioned of and. Um, I mean, really, this is true about all of them, but there's a particular part of Corey that has got this really rare combination of being very theologically um, articulate and then can turn around and have a kind of street credibility, uh, and neither one misses a beat.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, what a, uh, just a snapshot in these five voices of the remarkable diverse talent in the, in the network and uh, and yeah. just as you mentioned, you know that's you kind of um, sort of did a really fast forward version of uh, taking you know over seventy uh, local you know organizations that identified as leadership foundations and uh, and you know kind of seeing about half of them you know <laughs> um, go different yeah. directions but that that clarifying work is seen now when we hear these voices and we hear everybody, I'm yeah. realizing that what's going on in their city has uh, a unique dimension, but what, you know, what they're about is the same thing, you yeah, know, that's right. and they, they have the, you know, the, the city as playground is beating in their heart and they, uh, the, uh, you know, the wheel of change is, is the mechanism that they use to, to yeah. figure out, you know, what's next. And so, yeah. um, let's, yeah, let's maybe, listen up. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, just real quick, maybe to give people just two more kind of images that I think can, as they listen, uh, and why it's so important. There's a, there's an image in Acts two and it's when Peter's standing up to give kind of the first, you know, sort of sermon right after Pentecost.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but Luke does this really interesting thing. He's on the portico, right, amongst all these people who had just crucified Jesus, and it says that Peter stood up with the eleven. So, in other words, the very first sermon ever given was not like this one dude, yeah. right? It, it was actually, again, a cohort of people standing up together. And I just love this almost image of. Peter stands up, right? Then James stands up, and John stands up. I mean, like this is us together. You happen to be the voice, yeah. But you know, don't don't think that this isn't you know a group. And I think about that all the time, Rick. I you know am you know largely at times you know a voice on behalf of the LF network. But I just constantly you know want to bring people back to the idea that I stand up with the forty-seven, right? We Mm -hmm. this is this is a collective. The second quick image is this wonderful image of the choir uh in revelation right that you know through john they said there is a choir right that will be made up of every tribe and tongue Mm -hmm. right and you know you just the the fullness of it And, and again every time i look at the LF network i go that that's the taste of the choir of heaven Uh, that uh, is described in Revelation. So I hope that helps people understand how important these people
0: are to me. No, that's really good. Yeah, that's great. In fact, I was in this uh, discussion the other day with somebody who was talking about how Moses, um, you know, got overwhelmed and, you know, started kind of complaining, like, I don't think I can do this job. And, uh, (laughs) And, you know, that's when he got the insight that, like, you're not supposed to do this alone <laughs> and what the <laughs> right. line that I read was so interesting it said uh, what you are doing is not good that's that's the line that, that came through uh, from those who were you know giving them some uh, some counsel and I think that um, whenever we end up you know uh, by ourselves not standing as a cohort you know then what we're doing is not good and so I think that's a yeah. question that I asked myself where where in my life am I you know standing Uh, alone standing alone yeah and so yeah yeah, so i I think that's what's so great so i i just uh i've invited myself to stand with these people you know dave i don't seek permission to do that you know that is i just go for it (laughs) i know that about you rick (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh that's a private joke you actually did that Uh, with me so (laughs) that's right i did i i asked back in the day i asked dave like uh you know i i told him uh, I'm on your team and this is what I'll be doing and he's like well usually we invite people to do stuff but you know anyway uh, but uh, you you were, you were accommodating uh, I'm trying to be great. audacious over here audacious but well, let's go. listen to these five voices and then we'll uh, we'll get a recommendation at the end wonderful city of mine how I love how I love the city of mine it never gets me down city of mine I love, how I love this city of mine. It never gets me down,
3: yeah. Uh, Nix, CEO for the First Coast Leadership Foundation in Jacksonville, Florida. When I imagine a playground uh, in Jacksonville, uh, we're in the urban core and uh, right now, it's considered somewhat a battleground uh, for for uh, poverty, for crime, uh, and a lot of youth uh, that are killing each other. So right now, when I imagine a playground, I think of a healthy, vibrant, thriving community. I see a place where our youth are no longer fighting to survive, but they have a fighting chance at success. And At the First Coast Leadership Foundation uh, in Jacksonville, what we're doing to help make our city a playground is contributing through Mentoring to Thrive. Uh, It's one of our key initiatives to where it's an all hands on deck effort from the government, from the business sector, the private sector, uh, and just local volunteers helping to make a huge impact uh, to work with our youth. I want those youth to turn around and uh, be able to give back, uh, to be able to give back uh, when, when they can say, man, I'm grateful that these individuals poured into me and now I have an opportunity to pour back into my city. I'm hopeful that for the city of Jacksonville, that it will become a playground because we're relentless with our efforts and with our strategic partners. This is achievable, it's doable, and it's practical.
4: President and Chief Operating Officer with Memphis Leadership Foundation. When I imagine the city of Memphis as a playground, I imagine a place where opportunities are available to everyone regardless of where they come from, uh, the color of their skin, how much money they make. And those opportunities help to propel them forward as well as, um, Poverty is, is non existent as well as crime, where where children and adults and everyone can get along and, and just have a good time together and learn from one another. Places that I don't see us uh, uh, making the super advancements that w- w- would like to be done would be probably in the area of education. Um, that's an area that our country is still struggling with, uh, those opportunities. Um, for every single student regardless of the neighborhoods in which they live. Uh, These students come out of school, some of them are not as prepared as others that that come from very rich um, neighborhoods because of textbooks, because of quality of teachers, because of the training. Um, So those are areas that we certainly need to have some great improvement. Uh, We have programs that are filling in the gaps where some of our schools are missing the mark, um, really making a difference uh, in uh, language arts as well as uh, mathematics, making sure the kids are able to read, make sure they're able to uh, understand and comprehend conceptually. And I think that's a a key to our students really advancing in life. I see it as being a, a place where students and children of all races being able to get along together simply because they respect each other, because they admire each other. And it's a friendly place, a place where education runs, runs well in all communities, as well as the acceptance of everybody, regardless of who they, or what they look like, the color of their skin, or where they're from. And I see that in just getting along well, where the crime does not exist. And that's something that I feel that we, as an organization, we're moving toward. There's a lot to be done to get there, but certainly are making some strides to make that um, non-existent one day.
5: I'm Courtney Dougstead. I am the executive director of Next Chapter Ministries in Rochester, Minnesota. So when I imagine Rochester, Minnesota, as a playground, I think less of it being i know a lot of times we think of playgrounds as a space where everybody's welcome and belong my definition is where everybody is a contributing member the reason that i say that is because when spaces feel welcoming when everybody feels welcomed and belong and like they have belonging in a space it means that somebody had to create that space first and a lot of times it's people that already have privilege in those cities right that create spaces For me, Rochester being a playground means that everybody feels like they're a contributing member to that playground. Sometimes we think of that as safety from those who have contributed to being a battleground. For me, it's safety for those who have contributed to it being a battleground because they're contributing to something. And if there is opportunities to contribute to the playground, I feel like the entire community can get behind that. but we have to envision that. So those that are getting left out in Rochester are those that contributed to being battleground in the first place, right? Um, we don't necessarily recognize the skill set, the value and the worth that they bring to the community. Um, and so I think seeing everybody as having a value and worth is the only thing that is going to move us from a battleground, which I believe that we are into a playground where everybody feels like they are contributing to the value of it. One of the things that we actually have been able to utilize is so Next Chapter primarily, well, only focuses on working with folks that are desiring to exit the cycle of incarceration. So those that have engaged in the cycle of crime actually have a very unique skill set and a lot of times we think that they're only contributing to the battleground when they actually have skills that can contribute to the playground. One of those is budgeting. Um, Those that have that have actually worked in higher level um, drug organizations actually have quite a skill set for budgeting. So one of the examples at Next Chapter is when we really struggled in a year financially with our budget, being able to utilize the services of some of our recipients on um, a budget that was much higher in their organization. And they even had this particular gentleman had more staff than I oversee and had a much greater budget than I oversee. And he actually was able to look through our budget and kind of uh, help me understand where we can cut and where the best return of investment would be. So I think the city of Rochester, what they are lacking in truly becoming a playground is utilizing the unique skill set of those in our community that used to contribute it being a battleground. And that is what we try to accomplish every day at Next Chapter.
6: My name is Carlos Huerta. I am the Associate Director at the Center for Community Transformation at Fresno Pacific University in Fresno, California. When I imagine the city as a playground, my city Fresno, I imagine I hear laughter. Right. I hear a, a vibrant city that that is connected, at the same time that works together, that collaborates. That at the same time isn't, um, I would say, cutting each other out. Collaboration to me is the key in transforming our city from a battleground to a playground. And so when I do start to imagine fresno as a playground like that's institutions working together association yeah. people and then there's there's built trust if you will in yeah. our community an example of our city turning into a play, uh, into a playground i would say is this beautiful co- collaboration that our center has had with with the housing authority locally um, recently the housing authority came to our center and said would you consider Running financial literacy programs in our Section Eight community housing centers, and we simply say, "Well, you know, we're a faith-based group, and everything we do is gospel-centered." And I said, "That's okay," and I said, "Because we feel like faith is what's missing in our programs." And what what we found in this collaboration, and what they found was that their folks in low-to-moderate income populations, right, Section Eight housing, are people of faith and hold on to their faith strongly. So anytime a program that was a faith-based program was was provided, it was really well attended. And those that weren't centered uh, on faith were, were poorly attended, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and then obviously the metrics supported that. And so I, I say that because now the CCT, I would say we're, we're building playgrounds in section eight community centers where I'll give a specific story. Um, I'll give the example of Shauna and Noel Felix. They started a company called Give Culture and they wanted to teach generosity to the next generation. They sell t-shirts, which nothing really emotional about t-shirts, uh, but what they started to do was, you know, not, one, they were having success selling uh, t-shirts and other apparel, but they didn't really know how to run a business. And so you fast forward a year after Pitching at Spark Tank, which is our social enterprise pitch fest, we moved them into our accelerator, a two month accelerator, where they learned how to run their business. Um, and now they've completely scaled operations, where Sean and Noel, family of five children, right, are now able actually to start community programs in multiple neighborhoods in Fresno that now have got- garnered support of some of our larger funders in the city that are now. I would say bringing transformation, doing neighborhood children's programs, which again, teaching generosity and mindfulness. Um, so Sean and Noel are, are one specific example. Through our partnership with Leadership Foundation, since we've seen some remarkable work in Fresno. We see our city transformed and moving more towards a playground away from the battleground. So we're excited to continue to lean into the work that God has for Fresno.
7: Yes, I'm Corey Williams with the Savannah Leadership Foundation. When I imagine Savannah as a playground, I see it as a place of hope, opportunity, a place where people of all backgrounds, ethnicities, socio-economic backgrounds are able to thrive and reach their full potential. Uh, Right now, literally, um, um, Savannah is what many would call and what we call in leadership ship foundations a battleground a place where there is division where there is not the level of unity um in which we all will hope to see and i believe that as we're turning our city from a battleground ground to a playground we'll be able to see everyone thriving and reaching their full potential yeah a couple of the them out one number one will come to out is gun violence you know the gun violence you know with the young people just constant um um, gun violence. Um, I will also say the 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 um, um, course division, which is a national issue, uh, but I think over the past two to three years, the national divide um, or the local divide has increased even the more over the past year and a half. Yeah. So one of the interesting things I would say, I also happen to pastor a church in Savannah, and because of our local leadership foundation. I think the values and the principles that we bring to the table of wanting to see the battleground turn into a playground. We've noticed over the same past two years, our church, which was a primarily a predominantly African-American church is now coming pretty diverse. And so I'm seeing a lot of people who doesn't physically look like me join our church because I believe they see through the foundation how we're living out those values of wanting to see all types of people from all backgrounds come together and unite and make a difference. I mean, just going back to the history of Savannah when it comes to one of the the premier, primary ports in which slaves were dropped off. um, So there's rich history when it comes to the racial. And the slavery in Savannah, Georgia. So, um, but I will say there's hope, though. And through the foundation, through other organizations that we partner with to to bring about change, we see a major opportunity where the the spirit, is, you know, as some call it, that hovers over Savannah of racism we can see it slowly but surely coming down. And I believe over the next five to 10 years that we're gonna see a radical difference of that not being the thing that our city is known for.
0: Wow, thanks to Nashawn Nix, to Anthony Branch, to Courtney Doug Sad. Carlos Huerta, Corey Williams, those voices we heard, and um, just a tiny little snippet of their heart uh, for the city as a playground in their in their in their different uh, contexts. Yeah. So that's that, that was great.
1: Yeah, it was. I you know it's just yeah, it's a bit breathtaking. You know, mm-hmm. to be quite honest, and how God has grabbed them, you know, brought them to this place to begin to think about the city and the ways that they articulated. Um, you know, it's, it's just for me, it's nothing short of miraculous.
0: So Yeah, yeah, it is great. And it actually, this time of year, which um, somebody could be listening to this, you know, later on, because I know a lot of people just binge listen to these podcasts. They just decide to go for like five or six Cities Playground podcasts, you know, out of the 70, you know, that are there. Uh, but, you know, in real time, we're coming up on um, the Thanksgiving season. Yeah, And it's, uh, it is really a good time to, you know, to find yourself, uh, just sort of, uh, looking out the window a little bit and, and realizing that, you know, yep. that th- this is a miraculous thing. And, um, yep. and again, we talked about, um, audacious leaders, but we serve an audacious God that would, uh, that would, you That's know, right. uh, you know, right. put something like this together. Well, yep. uh, speaking of, uh, incredible leaders, uh, Noah basket, our, uh, a lot of people, should know this, but he's the, uh, the producer and director of, uh, of all things city as playground. So, uh, Noah's going to give us a recommendation because we like to wrap up each episode with, uh, something that helps us more clearly see the city as a playground would open our eyes to see uh, the city as God sees it. And, uh, Noah's got a recommendation for us. So what do you say, Noah? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks,
2: Rick. Thanks, Dave. I, uh, I thought I'd stick on the, uh, imagination theme. Dogging. And, uh, yeah, so this is a book actually, uh, Dave passed along to me a couple of months ago, I think it's called the moral imagination, the art and soul of building peace. Uh, it's the guy's name who wrote it, uh, John Paul Letterac, And he is a, uh, he's a Mennonite. He's a, um, kind of a scholar professor of peace and mediation studies out of it's out of, uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. So I've he's heard a, he, I've he's heard a professor out of at Notre Dame. Okay. Uh, yep. And um, yeah, uh, in addition to just being a really knowledgeable guy, you know, he's done peace mediation work in all kinds of places, uh, Nicaragua, uh, Northern Ireland, um, Kosovo, you know, in some really tough places. Yeah, and yeah. basically this this book is kind of saying that, you know, those folks that have been in that kind of work, And really kind of broadens it to social change work in general. You know, we oftentimes spend way too much time in the whole um, kind of getting your specific techniques right and really almost gets into the, you know, manipulating people. And he argues, you know, really what this work of um, kind of addressing violence in our world, finding a different way is all about creating these uh, kind of deep networks of relational connections. Um, so really, I thought a great book, really great read, so articulate and thoughtful um, and really in alignment with a lot of what we're doing in leadership foundations throughout the world. Um, so uh, really great read. Can't recommend it enough.
0: Yeah, thanks, Noah. that's That totally lines up with, with what, uh, what we're talking about. And uh, Dave, thanks for sharing uh, that book.
1: Yep, absolutely. A
0: across your path.
1: You know, interestingly enough, it came from a colleague of mine um, that uh, recommended it, uh, Jonathan um, Campbell. And uh, Jonathan is a guy that I've really come to grow and respect and love. And he said, man, this book, he says, you got to read it. And so uh, I read it and agreed with him in the same Mm, way, Rick, that if you recommended
0: a book to me, I'm (laughs) going to read it. I'll be careful then. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Noah, for that recommendation. And thanks to everyone listening. And if you have uh, any input, uh, in fact, I have one class at the university and the professor said is if anybody has any, um, uh, he, he actually said this word, he said, if anybody has any um, recommendations or refutations, and I thought, I'm, should I stand and just refute? You know, but I I don't think he was really meaning that. But if you do have any recommendations or refutations or whatever, you have any input, then certainly get get a hold of us at uh, leadershipfoundations.org and, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll, we'll start the conversation. But thanks again and uh, have a great holiday, Thanksgiving holiday uh, until we speak again. Great, Rick. Thanks. You bet.